We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. I'll be joined shortly, as always, by Chris Peterman. He covers the 49ers over at the Sacramento Bee. Very special guest on today's podcast, Peter King from NBC Sports. You'll know him from his Football Morning in America column. One of the premier NFL writers on the national stage was was on the pod, and Chris got a chance to to chat with him about his insights on who the 49ers are going to take at number three, which way he's leaning, why he's leaning that way, and and some insights into some conversations he's had with with Kyle Shanahan. So super interesting, super interesting chat. We'll hear that first, and then Chris and I will react to it after the interview. So enjoy. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. All right, everybody, welcome back to Candlestick Chronicles. I'm thrilled to be joined by Peter King of NBC Sports, a guy I've looked up to for a long time, obviously one of the preeminent voices in NFL media. Peter, how are you doing? And thanks so much for being here. Hey, Chris, it's my pleasure. Happy to do it. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm excited to do this. And, uh, and, you know, let's, let's dive right in because I think, you know, this is a very, very interesting time in, in 49ers history. And, um, obviously I wanted to have you on because the, the third overall pick is, is such a big talking point and, and a pivot point really for, for the 49ers organization. So I wanted to start it out like this because, um, I believe that there are two lines of thinking that are true when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and, and the way he can approach this pick. Um, the first is that he's had success with more, you know, traditional pocket passers like Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Matt Schaub, Jimmy Garoppolo, which obviously points to Mac Jones in theory. And then the second line of thinking that I also think is true is that Shanahan has never had full control when it comes to picking a franchise quarterback of his own. And that as one of the most progressive and innovative coaches in the league, he has a chance to maybe break from that perception about, you know, wanting a Kirk Cousins type, quote unquote, and maybe go after Justin right. Fields or Trey Lance. So given what you know about Kyle Shanahan and how plugged in you are with the 49ers, which line of thinking do you think is going to apply here when it comes to that pick? Probably, probably the first line of thinking. I, because I think one of the things that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch 
are determined to do. And one of the reasons why they really kind of, they overpaid to move up to number three is they wanted their choice. They didn't want some guy maybe to fall to them. Okay. Like it's, it's very popular in the media, Chris, to view uh, the Mac Jones pick as a reach. And the reason why it's viewed as a reach is because guys in the media think it's a reach, <laughs> you know, and I'm one of them, in the media. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and so, and well, it might be, but I think that Shanahan and John Lynch basically had a decision to make. And the decision was, we want a quarterback in this draft. We're going to have our choice if we move up to number three of three of the five big guys in this draft. And if we have that choice, well, you know, we're willing to overpay for that choice because Chris, I believe right now or two weeks ago, the 49ers were thinking this pick is probably going to be Mac Jones. But when they were able to make that trade, then they said, Hey, we have one month to figure out Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. We got a month and let's use the month. And I believe that's what they've been doing. So I do think that, and first of all, one of the things that I like about Kyle Shanahan, you know, and I, I, I remember this so well from the time I spent uh, in their draft room in 2017. Um, what was so interesting about that process in 2017 is that, you know, at the end of the second night of that draft, Kyle Shanahan walked to the draft board and there was nobody around him and he just started staring at the board. And as I wrote in the story I, I wrote about it, it really reminded me of John Nash in A Beautiful Mind, just staring at numbers and he seeing something that nobody else was seeing. So, uh, intrusive nerd that I am, I went up to him and, you know, the, the night was over and look, I tried to be a church mouse during the whole thing. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I barely talked you know, during the, during the time I was in the room, but now it was over and they were closing up shop. They're getting ready for the next day. And I went over and I said to, to Kyle, I'm dying to know what you're looking at. And he goes, Joe Williams. <laughs> and so I looked up at the board. There's no Joe Williams there. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, because Joe Williams obviously had had some trouble in college. He, transferred a couple of times. And one time he was accused of stealing a teammate's credit card and using it. And so, so I'll never forget this. And it's one of the reasons why I thought, you know, if I was Kyle Shanahan, I'd want my general manager to be John Lynch. And if I was John Lynch, I'd want my coach to be Kyle Shanahan. That night, you know, Kyle basically told Lynch, listen, I know we're down on, on Joe Williams. And I know that, you know, uh, he's off basically all but off the draft board, but man, I really want him. He can do exactly what we want. He's a one cut get up field running back. Remember his, his last year, uh, his last year at Utah, he had like a 360 yard game against UCLA in the Rose bowl. I mean, he just, he, he had some absurd numbers, but, but, but the reason why, and, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I don't think that this decision is going to be as hasty as I think probably a lot of people out there think it'll be. Because even if they do pick Mac Jones, I do think that they are going to very strongly and seriously consider the other two guys. But, um, the next morning, John Lynch came into his office early and he got on the phone with Joe Williams and he spent a half hour on the phone with him, basically saying to him, listen, 
if we take you, you can't F this up. You know, you, 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 you know, we might take you and I got to know, I got to hear this whole story, what happened, everything like that. And so, and, and when it was over, when the draft was over and they took him, he was the 15th pick in the fourth round. Um, and so he was their first pick, um, you know, on day three of the draft. And isn't it so funny to know now that uh, Joe Williams got picked like 25 picks ahead of George Kittle? Right. <laughs> you know, it's right. Just, he never played a snap. No, Joe Williams, you know, he lasted 15 minutes and he just, yeah. he didn't have that desire. But, but anyway, the whole thing is, as John Lynch told me that night, he goes, look, Kyle and I are going to be partners for a long time. And the fact is, he really believes in this player. Now, you know, we got some scouts here who don't think we should touch him with a 10-foot pole. I get it. But this is a decision I have to make. I have been entrusted with this. I know how much, and I trust my head coach, and I know how much he wants him, and that's why we drafted him. And I just said, hey, whether it works or not, I love that form of how these two guys work together. And so, look, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. I do know that if Kyle Shanahan absolutely wants this guy and John Lynch may want one of the other guys, I think they are going to talk about it and come out uh, together. Uh, and, and they're going to come out uh, united with whoever they're going to pick. So as somebody who talks to talent evaluators uh, across the league, um, you know, and for, I, I'm just, I, I've researched these guys. I've talked to people in and out of the league. I'm obviously not a scout and I'm not a coach, but I've come to the conclusion that, you know, I believe like what you said, that, that it might be a reach to invest three first round picks to, to take a guy like Mac Jones. Um, when you run that idea around, uh, or when you bounce that idea off talent evaluators around the league, do they agree with that? Or do they think, Hey, if, if this is his guy, this is his guy and, and he's just got to go for it. There's a cadre of talent evaluators in the NFL who love that. I put John Schneider in that, in that position. I put Eric DaCosta in that position. Um, you know, I would, pr- I'd probably put Andrew Barry, uh, Howie Roseman, um, in that, in that position, in that position. Les Sneed certainly would be in that position. And what I mean by that is they might think deep down, boy, this is dumb. I, w- I wouldn't do this. I know the players involved. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, dedicate three ones to any of these players. But the fact is, uh, they admire, I think, I think many people admire going for it and having the courage of your convictions to doing something unpopular. That's number one. But I also think that you have to know the person who you are taking. And let's just say it's Mac Jones. This is not a normal pick. To me, this is very much like Zach Wilson going to the New York Jets. You know, so Chris, I live in Brooklyn and every day I walk down to the, to the little bodega on the corner and I, and I pick up a copy oftentimes of both the New York Post and Daily News, uh, but at least one of them. And Twice already on the back pages, it is said Broadway Zach. Okay. <laughs> and so Zach Wilson is from a small town in Utah. Not small, but Draper, Utah, about 30 miles outside of Provo. Um, and, you know, he doesn't know anything in his life other than, you know, when he was a kid, the big event was going to the Utah Utes football game. And now he plays for Brigham Young. So Utah's his world. And now he's going to be transformed into a place that I've talked to people very close to him who have, I know, have told him, um, hey, uh, 
you know, you're, you're, you're only expected to be the next Joe Namath. <laughs> no <you> pressure. <laughs> and yeah, no pressure. And, and as I wrote my column this week, you know, this team has drafted six, the, Zach uh, Wilson will be the sixth quarterback picked in the top two rounds in the last 16 years by this team. Six times they've picked guys and thought, there's a real good chance this guy's going to be our long-term guy. From Mark Sanchez to uh, to Christian Hackenberg, Geno Smith. And I mean, you know, so they've made all these big investments. And, okay, you can say, well, Sanchez, at least he won four road playoff games. That's pretty damn good. And it is. But, you know, he will, turned out all in all to be not very good. So I think that is what um, whoever it is who goes to the 49ers is always going to be reminded by you and, you know, Matt Barrows, Matt Mayoko, all the, all the people who cover this team and cover it so well, they're all going to be, they're all going to be reminding whoever it is that this team spent three first round picks and also picked you over the following two guys, the other two guys who everybody, you know, in, in uh, mock draftum thought was better than you or thought were better than you. And so he's always going to have that a part of him. And let's say it is Mac Jones. They better be absolutely convinced that he's got a thick hide. You would think he does after playing behind Tua Tagovailoa and, and Jalen Hurts before he got a chance and playing for Nick Saban. You better, you better believe that, that he is going to have the mental wherewithal to take all of that uh, because that's going to be a part of this, Chris. Yeah. So uh, I think, you know, one of the reasons, and I agree with everything you said, but I think one thing that just sticks in my craw about the idea of it potentially being Mac Jones is just looking around the league and, and which direction the league is going, who's right. been successful and you look at all the top quarterbacks in the league with the obvious exception of Tom Brady. Um, they all have some sort of elite physical trait, right? Mahomes yeah. has a few of them. He can throw on the run. Um, he has an incredible arm. Aaron Rodgers, same thing. Russell Wilson can improvise out of structure and do things that lift a roster that maybe wasn't as good as it was earlier last decade when he first came in, right? They can, they can sort of, sustain themselves because Russell Wilson can play at a high level. And so for me, when I look at Mac Jones and the skill set, I don't know that he's the type of guy that elevates those guys without optimal surroundings. And I'm wondering if Kyle Shanahan looks at that and says, well, coming off in a season in 2020 where we dealt with so many injuries, do I maybe want a guy who has those physical skills that I've never really had before as a coach, maybe with the exception of Robert Griffin, but do I want a guy that I know if he's playing under center, there are things he could overcome um, just because of those physical traits, as opposed to, you know, somebody who who ha has to have everything perfect around him in order to win games and ultimately win Super Bowls. What do you think about that idea? It's the idea that everybody wonders about, that he probably, as far as athleticism, is fifth out of five. But I think Kyle Shanahan is going to look at it and he's going to say, okay, maybe as far as being a rambling, scrambling man, he's fifth out of five. But I also know that he is far and away the most accurate of the five, or at least that's what he showed in, in 2020, in 2020 uh, in Tuscaloosa. And he's also the most accurate, um, uh, among uh, quarterbacks when you consider passes thrown over 20 yards downfield. Completed 58% of those last year. So I think those are really important things too. But I'm not, I don't, I'm not disputing what you're saying at all. And, you know, if let's just say, and, and look, if let's say that Trent Williams gets hurt and all of a sudden the offensive line is leaky, and Mac Jones got to play, let's say this is 2022, and he gets sacked 58 times in 16 games, all of a sudden we're going to say, woof, I'll tell you what, 
the lack of mobility is really showing now. So I definitely think it's a concern. Do you think, and we'll get you out of here on this, do you think Mike Shanahan is at all a part of this evaluation process? And, and do you think he has influence on uh, what Kyle could be thinking here? My my guess would be yes, but it would just be a guess. And that would be based on the fact that um, who taught Jimmy Garoppolo the offense when he was traded to, uh, you know, when he was traded to the 49ers? Mike Shanahan taught it to him both, you know, did a lot of work with him um, in that offseason and, and really spent an incredible amount of time with him. Kyle Shanahan leans on his dad because he's running his dad's offense, essentially. So, yes, I I think his – I don't know how he's involved, but I think his father definitely would have given him his advice. And, look, based on the fact that – you know, I, I'll always think this. Okay, Chris, I mean, I'll, we, we can't ever really have um, – I guess we can't ever really know exactly – what happened. But if you go back to the uh, RG3 draft, okay, and you sort of remember how that draft went in 2012, it was assumed from the very moment, uh, from the very moment that the draft, that, that the trade was made uh, by Washington moving up to number two, that they were taking whoever Indianapolis didn't take, Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin. No one ever asked this question. Does Mike Shanahan like Robert Griffin III? Does he think that that's his kind of quarterback? That year, I will never forget, my jaw hit the floor. When in uh, early in the fourth round, Washington took Kirk Cousins. And I just said, I, and you know, to this day, it's some point I've got to, I've got to find this out for sure, but I think it's probably true just based on that, that Robert Griffin was the owner's pick. Kirk Cousins was the coach's pick, you know, because remember Kyle's, Kyle's on that staff too. Yeah. So that's what I always thought. And so to me, Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins. Yeah. And I think he's better than Kirk Cousins, and I think he's more accurate than Kirk Cousins. And if that's the pick, you're asking me what I think, that's that I will I will flash back nine years to draft weekend in 2012, and that's what I'll think of. Yeah, I think uh, one final thought, I guess. I, I think, you know, looking – Kyle Shanahan looking at what made his dad successful with – you know, Steve Young and, and John Elway, those were, those were those Hall of Fame type guys that had those Hall of Fame traits. So I keep coming back to the idea that maybe Shanahan wants one of those guys. Maybe he wants his own John Elway or, or Steve Young, and maybe he thinks Trey Lance or Dustin Fields can do it because I think if, you know, if Mac Jones is Kirk Cousins, obviously that's an entirely different level of player. It's a different player than those other guys. Um, but, I also think that, and I don't know what Kirk Cousins' completion percentage was at Michigan State, and I also don't know if his weapons were even in the same league. Probably they weren't with Alabama's weapons. But I will only say that, you know, when I've talked to people about these quarterbacks, over and over again, guys said his accuracy and his downfield throwing is absolutely exceptional. And so... You know, again, we just simply don't know now. But I do think if it ends up being Mac Jones, I, I really think the uh, one thing you just – and it's it, – it, other than in recent years, all the quarterbacks who've gotten picked, who's really, really improved his accuracy markedly other than Josh – from college other than Josh Allen? Yeah. That's Hardly true. anybody. It just doesn't happen. And yeah. so – that's why I think that um, that if I'm if I'm looking especially for accuracy, and again, you know what, Chris, you know what I think is a cliche and a bad cliche mm-hmm. that Kyle Shanahan can't get the Jimmy Garoppolo overthrow to Emmanuel Sanders out of his head. I, I 
you don't make this decision because of one overthrow. Yeah. You make this decision for a lot of reasons. And you know what, quite honestly, Chris, for decisions that we don't know. The only thing we do know, in the immortal words of Bill Parcells, the most important part of ability is availability. And when you miss half of your games over a three-year period, you can say, ah, it's been fluky. It's, you know, you know, uh, I'm not injury prone. Whatever word you'd use, when you miss 23 games out of 48 regular season games in three years, call it whatever you want. You're not there. You know, that counts. That matters. It's like when we were arguing for the Hall of Fame and, uh, a good friend of mine from another city said, well, you can't count, uh, that those three years for in Seattle for Tom Flores. The owner was an idiot. The team was a disaster. You can't count that. I said, yes, I can. It's an NFL team. He coached the team. He was 14 and 34 in those three years. And I damn well will count it. Yeah, it's, all, <laughs> and so, it's all part of it. Yeah. It's all, it's all part of the, the big mosaic. But, but anyway, uh, you know, that's what makes the other part of this, Chris, is that's, that's what makes so much of this entertaining because we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. None of us really know. We can argue about it all day, and we just are going to keep going in circles about it. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll, we'll end there. I really appreciate you coming on and offering your perspective, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll be able to catch up this summer, and and you'll be able to come out to California. I know you're a beer guy. Yeah. So, uh, if you have any interest, if if you ha- find yourself in Santa Clara during training camp, would love to grab a uh, a beer somewhere potentially. I absolutely will. Let's go find a Pliny the Elder. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm a, I'm from Santa Rosa, so you're, you're okay. right up my street with that. I'm, I'm all Great. about it. All right, Peter, thank you so hey. much for joining us. And, uh, all right, Chris, thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Peter King, everybody. Hey, yeah. Great work by you. Hey, thanks. It was your suggestion. You were like, you should get Peter King on. And then I was like, you know, it's a good idea. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll, uh, try it, see, see if I can get some contact info and, uh, reach deep into, into my contacts and was able, was able to get a hold of Peter, who's, um, nicest guy ever. Like I, you know, I Such shot him a nice note dude. and he got back to me super quick and was like, Hey, how about tomorrow? And I was like, sure. And so <laughs> you, you were doing your show, um, in the Bay Area. I don't know if people realize this, but you, you do produce a radio show for 95.7 The Game in San Francisco. Yeah, I don't um, like to bring it up, but yeah. <laughs> but so you were, you were doing the show, so I had to ride solo, but no, Peter was great. Um, really insightful and just a lot of, uh, a lot of great perspective from, from his standpoint. And I know, you know, I think you and I both have harped on the fact that, 
you know, we don't think Mac Jones would be a good pick. And, you know, Peter being in his position, it's not really his spot to editorialize on what would be a good pick and what wouldn't. Right. But I think he made a case that I haven't, you know, I guess really been open to so much. And and it was about, you know, Mac Jones's accuracy, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you can't, his accuracy put his head and shoulders above the other prospects in the class but I still don't know that that's necessarily a trait that you would move three first round picks to get, essentially. Because I, I think you can, you know, the the point I made with Peter was like, well, what about all the best quarterbacks in the league and the fact that they all have some sort of dynamic physical trait that you can point to? With really the exception of Tom Brady, and even Tom Brady has a much better arm than Mac Jones, he's bigger than Mac Jones. Um, and he's just Tom Brady, but like King's retort was basically accuracy. And there's really only one case in, you know, the last 10 years or so where like a highly drafted guy has really dramatically improved his accuracy. Mm-hmm. And that was Josh Allen. And so, you know, I think somebody like Trey Lance or even Justin Fields can improve their accuracy. I mean, Fields is already very accurate and I think Lance is, is accurate, but you would like him to be more accurate. But I think a lot of that could come with tightening up his fundamentals. And I think the thing I keep coming back to with Kyle Shanahan is the idea that, like, he could probably work with any quarterback. So it's really about the traits that he likes. And, you know, I think Peter and I just agreed to disagree that, like, accuracy might be the most important thing for Kyle Shanahan. But I... Like, if if it's Mac Jones for the sake of accuracy, I'm going to tear the pick apart. Because I just don't know how anybody can look at Mac Jones and say, all right, this is the guy that's going to lead the team to beat Patrick Mahomes and whoever else and win multiple Super Bowls. Like, Mac Jones might be a fine quarterback, but if he's a little bit better Kirk Cousins, I don't know if that dramatically increases your chances that you already have with a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo. And the health of Garoppolo is obviously a big point, but I just don't see it really elevating the 49ers offense in a way a guy with a more dynamic skill set could. Well, and that's that's what was so interesting was that when Peter basically said, you know, he's telling the story about how his jaw dropped because when when Washington took Kirk Cousins in the fourth round after drafting Robert Griffin the third, second overall, and his jaw dropped and, you know, Kirk Cousins wound up being good and Mac Jones could just be a more accurate Kirk Cousins... It's like that, that to me is a demerit. Like that's not, that's not good. Right. At the number three pick, especially when you're talking about a guy, the, the accuracy difference between Kirk Cousins and Mac Jones, I can't imagine. Now, granted, I haven't grinded a bunch of Kirk Cousins college tape, but I can't imagine the accuracy is so different that it makes, uh, for four rounds difference. Right. Like, does that, does that make, does that make yeah. sense? I just, yeah. I, and- that and really stuck out to me, and I just couldn't, I couldn't really wrap my head around, it, it didn't, nothing he said swayed me the other way. Yeah, I would agree, and, and I think, you know, what, what, when, I think it sort of speaks to, yeah, a lot of people think the 49ers like Mac Jones, and I think the 49ers probably do like Mac Jones. I would be surprised if the 49ers liked Mac Jones to the point to invest three first round picks to get him. And I think one thing that sticks in my mind, too, is the fact that this is the first time Kyle Shanahan has ever really just had his pick of quarterbacks. And, you know, we can talk about 2017, but he was clearly not taking a quarterback in 2017 because he was focused on getting Kirk Cousins, which was a decision he made, obviously a mistake. But, you know, people talk about Kyle Shanahan preferring somebody like Cousins. You know, what Kyle Shanahan said when he was asked that question is, more or less he scoffed at it and said, ideally you want the biggest, fastest, strongest quarterback who can also throw from the pocket. Not Mm -hmm. just, I want somebody to throw from the pocket. So I think you have a possibility potentially with Lance or Fields to potentially be that guy. And given how well Shanahan can scheme guys open, he can work with the accuracy level of those guys. Like he doesn't, 
given how often guys are open and how many short throws are in Kyle Shanahan's offense, like, I don't think he necessarily has to have a super accurate quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately you could Jimmy rig your offense to where you're scheming open a lot of looks. You're using a ton of play action. Um, and you're able to overcome those, you know, what might be deficiencies in accuracy by just making easy throws for your quarterback. I think Shanahan's probably the best coordinator in the league at doing that. So I don't know that you necessarily have to have the most accurate guy. And and to me, like, if Mac Jones is incredibly accurate and he ends up being the pick, Kyle Shanahan is basically saying, all right, I think this guy's Drew Brees, or I think this guy's Tom Brady. Because the stated goal is to win and compete for multiple Super Bowls. And so the only pocket quarterbacks that have really done that recently in the era of the athletic dynamic quarterbacks have been Brady and I guess Nick Foles. But, but like even they had Carson Wentz who helped get the Eagles in position to get to that Super Bowl in 2017. And one, so of, like, the, one of the best traits of Carson Wentz was his ability to escape pressure and throw on the run. Yeah, and he had, he, had, he still has a great arm. Like he's still a good athlete and has a great arm. And so right. like... You know, I just, for me, and I said this to Peter, and he didn't he didn't necessarily dis- disagree with it, but it was like I I mentioned Russell Wilson, which which our guy Andy Lou brought up in the locker room um, last week, which which is a point that's really stuck with me. Shout out to Andy Lou, mm-hmm. um, and just just the fact that you know Mike Shanahan needed those elite. Hall of Fame level talents in John Elway and Steve Young to win Super Bowls. And those guys could move and throw on the run and make plays with their legs. And so that's just a dynamic that I think Kyle Shanahan probably should want (laughs) at this point because of, you know, what happened to Matt Ryan in 2016 and what happened to Jimmy Garoppolo at the end of the the Super Bowl against KC. Like, if those guys can make plays with their legs – that's a huge boon for your offense when schematically things aren't always there or an offensive lineman gets beat. And even Peter made made the point like, man, if they drafted Mac Jones and then Trent Williams got hurt, then what happens? Right? Yeah. Like then it then it really doesn't look good. So given what we've seen the 49ers go through both in 2018 and 2020 when they were just devastated by injuries not only from their quarterback, but just throughout the roster, they didn't have anybody that could elevate the roster the way these more dynamic quarterbacks can, right? Like Russell mm-hmm. Wilson takes a pretty average to below average Seahawks roster to double digit wins and playoff contention basically every year because right. he can improvise and scramble and make plays outside of structure. And I just think that's super important. And for a guy like Kyle Shanahan who lost the Super Bowl basically because Patrick Mahomes, you know, rolled back, took 12 steps out right. of shotgun and drop and, and drop this ridiculous throw sixty yards downfield on a third and fifteen. Like, you know, those are the traits that gets you that get you to where you want to go. And the only retort to that in my mind, if you're taking Mac Jones, is well, this guy's you know this guy's Tom Brady or Drew Brees. Like, he can win Super Bowls without being super athletic. Mm-hmm. And I just have a really hard time getting there with Mac Jones, who, you know is clearly not the best quarterback prospect right now in this class. Maybe he turns into the best quarterback in this class, but I just, you know, I have a, I have a hard time getting there right now. One of the things when, when Peter brought up Jones, and I want to, I want to stick on this accuracy point for a minute. When he brought up Jones accuracy on throws 20 yards down the field, now he completed 58% of them, which is an absurd number. Uh, 58%. That is oh yeah, totally. objectively an, an insane number. But I think in the same way, not in the same way, but in a in the same vein where you have to look at Trey Lance's competition level, you have to look at the talent that Mac Jones is working with. Yeah. Because when you watch Mac Jones, how many throws are to Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell and they have 15 yards on the nearest defender? Yeah, or even when those guys are covered, then, you know, he They're can still throw play. jump balls and those guys those guys will win at the catch point. Right. Right? Like, so Trey think, Lance wasn't yeah. exactly throwing to a ton of NFL guys, so he wasn't helped out by his pass catchers the way, you know, 
Mac Jones was. So I think so, there's there's a counterpoint to all of these things when it when you when you look at these guys and just compare them on those on those different levels. And I think the the other the other thing is I feel like the maybe the accuracy difference because you're right he harped a lot on that. Maybe the accuracy difference, maybe Mac Jones is in tier 1. But Justin Fields and Trey Lance are, like, in Tier 2. It's not like they're completing 50% of their throws. Justin Fields completed 70% of his passes last year and 68% with Ohio State. And Trey Lance, I think, was at 67%. And I know with him there's some ball placement stuff. I I, I get all that. But like you said, it's it's not it's not like these – it's not like Lance and Fields. Like, I just can't – I just can't fathom that Mac Jones' accuracy is so much better that it outweighs all the other benefits that the athleticism of Lance and Fields bring to the offense. Can I give I you some numbers? Yeah, you know I love numbers. You can always give me numbers. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm I'm looking at Pro Football Focus's draft guide. Um, okay. Mike Renner does a com- great job on that, by the way. Yeah, adjusted completion percentage for Mac Jones is eighty four point two percent. Oh my god! <laughs> which is which is bananas. Like adjusted completion percentage. Oh my percentage, god! That that's that's just basically how accurate is he? That, that's like know, that. That's like if a quarterback went through an NFL season only throwing screen passes. Right, right, and wow. and you know Mac Jones is in an ideal scenario now. To compare to Trey Lance, so average depth of target was 8.8 yards, um, which is 57th in the country, which isn't a lot. And you know, I, but I don't, I don't want to read too much into that. I just think the 84.2% number just sort of speaks to the accuracy. Trey Lance, who probably the biggest knock on him is is accuracy. His adjusted completion percentage was still 72%, and his average depth of target was 11 and a half, uh, 11 and a half yards. So it wasn't like, you know, Trey Lance, you, you want his accuracy to be better, but he was still comp- completing passes at a plenty high clip to a lot of non-NFL caliber or maybe all non-NFL caliber targets. And, you know, 11, 11 and a half yards is, is pretty aggressive. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking for, let's see, Justin Fields, man, his adjusted completion percentage was 80.8, which see? is second. Only to Mac Jones, and his average depth of target was ten point four yards. So this is, yeah, I don't think there's, hey, I don't ten think out there's of ten on the very... confirmation bias scale. Thank you. <laughs> I don't, yeah. When it comes to accuracy, I don't think there's a big difference between Fields and and Jones for sure. Right, and I just can't. I if accuracy is the thing, that gap is small enough that. When you watch Fields and you watch Jones, maybe there's a couple Fields, maybe there's a couple throws Jones makes that Fields doesn't or completes that Fields doesn't. But all the plays that that Fields makes that Jones doesn't by moving around the pocket or rolling out or picking up, picking up first downs or scoring touchdowns with his legs, that's just all like, I, I, yeah, it's a differentiating I, I, I factor. I don't get. I don't get how you go. Yeah, Mac Jones definite scheme fit, and Justin Fields is not. No. And that that's what was. And maybe does it stand out to you at all that that now Peter didn't say anything definitive. He didn't no, say, he said this he said multiple times he doesn't know. Right. I don't think anybody really knows. No, I but, think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and Parag and and maybe Adam Peters and Jed. But, but I don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't think any national reporters know with certainty. I think a yeah. lot of them have ideas and can and can connect dots. And I think that's what a lot of people are doing. But I don't think you know when you hear, even like Mel Kiper today said, you know, I'm locking in Mac Jones at number three. It's like based on what? <laughs> right. Like you, you, you know, Kyle Shanahan like Kirk Cousins in 2017. So like that, you know, I, I just. That's that's the put that's the thing I'll push back against is people who say, well, Kyle Shanahan like Kirk Cousins. It's like, yeah, but he could have just traded a first round pick for Kirk Cousins now instead of three firsts to take Mac Jones. 
Right. And Ian Rappaport said on the Rich Eisen show, like, I'm not ready to start the draft at four. Yeah. It's still, and, and so adding all this up, and then my big takeaway from, from listening to Peter King was, here's what I think happened. Shanahan and the 49ers looked at the list of quarterbacks because Peter, Peter King said, you just heard him. He said, um, you know, they wanted to get a quarterback this year. So I think they moved up to three, knowing full well that if Mac Jones was the guy, fine. Like, they were okay taking Mac Jones at three. But I think they wanted to see more of Trey Lance in person. And I think they wanted to see more of Justin Fields in person. And do more homework. So while I think they moved up to three, knowing that they were okay if it wound up being Jones that that was the pick when it all shook out. Like, that was the person they were most sure of. I think they could very easily be talked out of it as the process goes on. Yeah, I I would push back on that because I I think, you know, and I don't know this for certain, but I I think that you make that trade with a guy in mind, for sure. Um, And what Kyle Shanahan said at the press conference after the trade was that they they, they feel comfortable with three guys. Um, which means one of their three is obviously going to be available when they pick at three. Who those three are, I think I feel comfortable saying one's probably Trevor Lawrence, the other one Zach Wilson, and then the third one is is one of Mac Jones, uh, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. And what I think happened, you know, is Kyle Shanahan did the deep dive on all of these guys and, you know, came up with his own conclusions and then asked his – Offensive lieutenants, you know, Mike McDaniel, his new offensive coordinator, just got promoted. Um, I'm sure Rich Scangarello did a ton of work. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Mike Shanahan also did this, you know, did the deep dive and, and, and gave Kyle his thoughts. Um, but I think when the 49ers made the trade, they did it with one guy in mind. But they also, to your point, which I think is probably right, they did it with an open mind in that, well, maybe maybe our mind can change based on the evaluation process. I just don't know that a pro day is really going to swing things one way or another. And I, I've said this before, and I'll keep coming back to it, um, because I do think it's notable. You know, the Niners had, uh, the Niners had their regional scout, and I forget exactly who it was, if it was their, their college scouting director or one of Adam Peters' other assistants, um, but they had two guys at Trey Lance's Pro Day, which was two weeks before they made the trade. And then, so, like, they they had seen him in person, and then they made the trade, right? Before seeing Mac Jones in person, which his Pro Day came after the press conference when Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch said all those things. And, and they hadn't seen Justin Fields at all, right? And so... You know, going back to 2017 when they drafted C.J. Beathard, and obviously this is not the same situation, um, but Kyle Shanahan didn't see C.J. Beathard in person at all before drafting him. Um, now, does that mean that, you know, is there anything to read into all of those things to say who they like best? I don't think so. Like, I think, but... Every year is going to be different. It could be different, but regard. I... Yeah, I, I I think it's notable that the trade came after Trey Lance's pro day, and it wasn't like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch weren't there, but the Niners were there, um, and so you know we'll see. I like I I ultimately think it's going to be Lance. A lot of people disagree with me, which is fine. What and aside, my favorite thing is when people like get angry that I have an opinion. It's like why are you mad that I have an opinion that's different than yours? Like. Right. It, like, it, it does it, would it make you happy if we, with everybody just shared the same opinion? Like, okay, you disagree with me. Like, so what? Spend your energy, like, thinking about other things that don't make you upset. If I make you upset because, you know, I, I have a certain belief about a certain quarterback or whatever. <laughs> um, but anyway, or the, no, I, or the people that, that tell you, and I hate complaining about being online on this podcast, but, uh, the people that tell you that, you don't know anything and nobody knows anything, but then tell you who it's going to be. <laughs> I've seen, um, I, I've seen tweets saying that Mac Jones is a done deal. Um, 
Justin Fields is a done deal and Trey Lance is a done deal. So, you know, according to Twitter, I'm just really, I, I'm really hmm. confused about who the 49ers are going to take. But I mean, so, and, and also, and another aside, shout out to everybody who tweets us, uh, with the bits about structure. Legit, and, dude. My favorite thing. <laughs> like that is, like we might not like quote tweet it and all that, but I guarantee you it's getting thrown in the group chat. And yes. we really appreciate it. So if you uh, if you respond to any tweets with jokes about the structure or things Me being wide known or grinding tape, being in the lab, if you if you enjoy all those bits, keep sending them at us because um, it you know it makes us happy, and we're glad that other people are are able to be lighthearted about these things like we are. Right, because. I leave every podcast going, wow, we're really dumb. And then when people <laughs> respond positively to that, it just reaffirms. Uh, you need that sometimes. Yeah. yeah <laughs> because, it's fun when you tweet when something randomly and they're like, well, got to see the structure first. Like, I, I genuinely love that. Like, it is it's just, fantastic. And, hey, I'm going to peel back the curtain on my own mind here. When you jump into your mentions and it's just a bunch of people like, you're an idiot. Why do you do this? Who pays you to do this? And then it's one person like, got to see the structure. It's like, yes, thank you. <laughs> I needed that. <laughs> yeah, like I, I quote tweeted like um, – it was like officially official. I It might have been the uh, – yeah, yeah. Um, but like every like everybody in the mentions got it that I was kidding because officially official – when people tweet that, it's like just just retweet it. Like you don't need to add just anything. You're not adding retweet. anything by saying officially official. <laughs> and so when I do it, it, it's meant to be tongue in cheek because you know whatever. And everybody got it, and it was, or at least everybody in my mentions got it. It's so shout so out to all those people. Yeah. Uh, we have anything else? We we've we've done this quarterback thing, I think, pretty well. I feel like we've been talking about quarterbacks for six years, and it's still like two weeks until the draft. <laughs> More than two weeks. Yeah. Um, we... This pod comes out Wednesday. It's uh, 15 days till the draft is on Wednesday. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Uh, later Here's, in the here, week. Can I make a prediction, though? Yeah. Go for it. It's uh, We're recording this Tuesday, April 13th. So you'll be listening to this on the 14th. Justin Fields Pro Day may, have not, may or may not have popped off, but I would almost set my watch to it that after all this Mac Jones stuff, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are going to go to Justin Fields Pro Day. And all of a sudden, we're going to get the, uh, you know, a rift in the 49ers building after Justin Fields' incredible Pro Day. And Kyle Shanahan was blown away. and <laughs> Or the 49ers were blown away by what they saw from Fields. And, you know, now there's a question in the building about who they're taking at three. And then I'm guessing we see something similar after Trey Lance's Pro Day next Monday. On the 19th. And then we get into the, well, that's why they want to keep Garoppolo, because Trey Lance isn't quite ready yet, but boy, they liked what they saw in person. Like, set your watch to this. I think what's going to happen is some reporter is going to speak to Kyle Shanahan or John Lynch, just like Ian Rappaport did Mm -hmm. at the Alabama Pro Day. And Kyle Shanahan and or John Lynch are both going to say, yeah, we were really impressed with what we saw. This guy's certainly in the running. And he's yeah. going to say it about Justin Fields, and he's going to say it about Trey Lance, and they've already said it about Mac Jones. And then we're going to be back at square one while I think just overall the narrative is going to change because of the pro days, and they're going to be more relevant, right? Like, I think right. Trey Lance. That's just it. Yeah, I think Trey Lance sort of took a back seat when all when the trade happened and the press conference happened, and then the next day it's the Mac Jones pro day and the Justin Fields pro day. Like, I think the schedule kind of took the narrative away from Trey Lance, and I think there's going to be an opportunity for the narrative to shift back towards Fields and Lance once this pro day starts, and you're going to get more national reporters saying, well, you know, they they like Mac Jones, and everybody thinks it's Mac Jones, but Kyle Shanahan said all three are in the running, and, you know, a lot of people think Trey Lance has the most upside, and a lot of people think... Justin Fields is already a star who's done it at a high level in college and at like everything. Like ultimately I think through all of this All the things we've already known. Yeah, I think through all of this the draft's gonna come and none of these tea leaves are really gonna matter. <laughs> right? Right. Like we're gonna spend all this time like 
analyzing everything that's said and done over the next few weeks when really in my opinion they probably came to the conclusion at the end of february which quarterback they wanted and then they made the trade and now they're just kind of doing everything and the world around the 49ers is just kind of freaking out trying to figure out who it is that's what i think and don't don't believe mock drafts right do not get worked up over mel kuyper's mock drafts or todd mcshay's mock drafts yeah although i think mcshay did mcshay no mcshay went went uh he went mac jones yes so did, but i think so did Kuiper. in his he did a post about tiers like tiering all the prospects and he put lance above uh above fields and mac jones in his in his tiers post huh. whatever that's worth but yeah i mean yes. i ultimately the draft's gonna come and i think we're gonna look back on this and be like well we really didn't know anything nobody did yeah that happens that happens every draft not just not just with quarterbacks not just in the top in the top 3 to 5 picks like that just happens like everywhere and i think it's going to happen especially especially this year where like last year we thought it was going to be weird because of covid-19 and no no in-person visits and no combine and this and that well this year is going to be even more strange because there wasn't a full season or any season for a lot of college football players. Trey Lance played one game. Like, I mean, it, it just, you had a truncated season. You had guys like, like, uh, Caleb Fairley opting out. It just, there's, there are so many variables in this year's draft that I think make it even more unpredictable than, than in years past. That goes for the 49ers pick and the other 260 picks or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, at some point, we will talk about other prospects that we think. Cade Johnson, South could. Dakota State. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, yeah, the 49ers do have eight other picks in the draft. Um, I think it's it's kind of widely known what other needs they have, but we can break those mm-hmm. down. Um, maybe in the next pod we record on Thursday, depending on if, if we get other guests or not. But we can at go some point, this mock draft if you want. Yeah, I mean, I put one out today too. If you guys want to check that out, you did a full, but, you did a full mock. Yeah, full mock uh, with the full link. Um, you you could find the full link on my Twitter. Did you just um, sniff? <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll dive into the other the other parts of this draft, but I think pretty clearly the number three pick is very important, and um, I mean it's. It's crazy how important this number three pick is. It's literally franchise altering. Like it's... in a way that missing on Deshaun Watson, I don't even put in Patrick Mahomes because nobody thought he was going as high as he did. Yeah. Uh, the well, now granted, all the off-field stuff with Deshaun Watson, but you get it. Like you get where I'm going with this. The miss on the quarterbacks in the 2017 draft would pale in comparison to missing on this pick. Yeah, if they drafted a guy and then the other guys that they passed on turned into stars, like, it's going to be a tough look for Kyle Shanahan. Extremely. But um, it's, it's very, very rough. But the good news is, I think I think 49ers fans should take solace in the fact, I know a lot of people are freaking out about Mac Jones. And I think, you know, potentially rightfully so. <laughs> because I don't, I think there's a possibility that he could be the pick, and I also yeah. don't think it would be a good pick. Um, but the 49ers are a very good team for a rookie quarterback to go to right now. And it wouldn't surprise me at all, no matter who the player is, if that rookie came in and had like a Dak Prescott type season in 2016. Yeah. Just because it's such a talented roster. Um, Kyle Shanahan's, you know, obviously a good coach. There's really good weapons. Um, the defense should be solid. I think, you know, I, I don't know if the defense will be will ever be like it was in 2019, but I think it has a chance to be top 10, top 12. Yeah, um, good enough to win. Good enough to win, yeah. And so I, I think no matter who the pick is, there should be uh, there should be high expectations for this prospect. It just now we gotta we gotta wait and see who the prospect's gonna be. Yeah. All right. Do you know what I'm waiting to see? What are you waiting to see? What I'm gonna eat for dinner. Oh. I thought you were going to say the structure. 
Well, I mean, that's <laughs> perpetual. Like, I'm just constantly waiting for the structure. No. Uh, so I jumped in, and if you want to turn the podcast off, now we're done talking about football. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, rate, review. But uh, I, st- I started um, – I, I was doing, I told you guys I'm on this, this, this healthy eating lifestyle change. Well, went to Hawaii and, um, let it, like, just let it rip. I, I ate what I wanted and I, I drank booze and all that. Well, I was having a really hard time when I got back, getting back on track. And so I went to a meal prep service called Trifecta and they send me a box of food it's all refrigerated and well packaged and stuff and it's pre-made it's not like the you get the ingredients and now you have to cook it's pre-packaged like vacuum wrapped meals ready to go and uh it's been a game changer because i'm back to losing weight and i'm feeling like healthy and full again nice. which i was not feeling when i was eating fast food three nights a week um, so I'm leaving the choice up to you, Chris. I, I was going to say you, the listener, but like I said, when you're listening to this, I will have long past eaten dinner. Uh, I have teriyaki salmon and sweet potatoes. Okay. I have, I've had that one. It's really good. I have a like chicken tikka dish. I forget exactly what's in it, but I know it's definitely in the fridge. And then I have grass fed steak and spiced cauliflower, which I have not had yet. <sighs> Uh, I mean, you gotta go to the steak, right? Okay. I know I'm not you gonna know, argue with you. Just treat treat yourself a little bit on a Tuesday to to some red meat. Um, okay. And then I'm, you, you can get after at all. the salmon. Sounds good. It is. I I, would, I, I would don't. Eat that. I admittedly don't love fish. Uh, but when you mix it in with it, it's got like I said, it's like sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, and it's got some other kind of vegetables in there. When you mix that all together with the with the sauce that's on it, you don't. It's just it's so good. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I, uh, my, I went out to <laughs> food takes. Nice. Yeah. I, speaking of, I went out to eat at a restaurant, um, Whoa. on, on Saturday for the Whoa. first time in California since the pandemic. Whoa. And, uh, it was incredible. I really miss, I really miss restaurants and like getting cocktails, like well-made tasty cocktails that I don't have the energy or wherewithal to make at home. Like going out and getting an old fashioned from a professional bartender or mixologist or whatever their whatever the official name is it's just it's just a luxury that i didn't realize i missed it as much as i did when when i actually had it again so and hope everybody's safe and getting vaccinated and all that because restaurants are really a joy and i miss them greatly i went i i'm uh i'm engaged now and uh (laughs) we've been wedding venue shopping hunting searching searching been looking looking for wedding venues yeah and we were doing that on saturday and we stopped to get lunch and the hostess asked if we wanted to sit inside or outside and it was like she just asked me the meaning of life i know i was just like uh i have options like to go i guess is what i've been doing so uh no but it was uh shout out to everybody who has or does work in a restaurant or food service at all. Uh, hospitality. Hospitality in general, because that's always difficult. It's even more difficult now with uh, the regulations and stuff we have in place. But the, the uh, like you said, having somebody who knows what they're doing make your drink and having people... Uh, do things do things for you that normally you you have to do at home like wash dishes and clean tables and stuff uh shout out to everybody who does that it is greatly appreciated the place i went to they lit the cheese on fire and then served it on like a scalding hot like plate and it was incredible and that's not something i could do from home so if you right. if you're in San Jose and you're looking for a bomb restaurant, go to Namia downtown. It's a great place. It's excellent. <laughs> or, or if you work in a restaurant, uh, Chris and I are planning to hang out soon, so <laughs> yeah, we have yeah. a spot to go kick it. Shoot, shoot us your recommendations, yeah. and we'll shout you out on the pod. And if you're going to shoot us a recommendation, please include the structure of the menu. <laughs> okay, we're going to go now. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Yeah.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.